Our first scripture reading this morning is from Exodus chapter 20, verses 1 through 17. Listen to God's word. And God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol in the form of anything in heaven or above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sins of the fathers to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to thousands who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all of your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter nor your manservant or man's maidservant, nor your animals, nor the alien within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and mother so that you may live long in the land that the Lord your God has given you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his manservant or maidservant, his ox or donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. Our second reading is from John chapter 2, verses 13 through 22. Here again the word of God. When it was almost time for the Jewish Passover, Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple courts, he found men selling cattle, sheep, and doves, and others sitting at the tables exchanging money. So he made a whip out of cords and drove all of them from the temple area, both sheep and cattle. He scattered the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. To those who sold doves, he said, Get these out of here. How dare you turn my father's house into a market? His disciples remembered that it is written, Zeal for your house will consume me. Then the Jews demanded of him, What miraculous sign can you show us to prove your authority to do all this? Jesus answered them, Destroy this temple, and I will raise it again in three days. The Jews replied, It has taken 46 years to build this temple, and you're going to raise it in three days? But the temple he had spoken of was his body. And after he was raised from the dead, his disciples recalled what he had said. Then they believed the scriptures and the words that Jesus had spoken. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. It seems sometimes like religious organizations aren't much different than Walmart or other retailers. 
They're always coming up with new things to generate excitement or to rebrand themselves. Catchphrases spring up constantly. Some have started calling their building campuses. Sunday school or Bible study groups have become life groups or Sunday class. The music department now consists of a praise team. Video screens are replacing hymnals and drums and guitars are replacing pianos and organs. Many churches have gone to two types of services, traditional and contemporary, so they can appeal to a wider audience. Some have totally gone to contemporary services. I guess this is the part of the continual reformation of the church. Even our traditional service this morning looks differently than those of several years ago. You don't see many suits and ties and dresses and hats this morning, do you? <laughs> and talking about catchphrases, a few years ago, as you probably remember, the, the rage in the church arena was the catchphrase, WWJD. And as you know, it stood for, what would Jesus do? You can find it on bumper stickers, caps, keychains, bracelets, just about everything. It seemed to be everywhere. There was a story told around this time that a man that walked into a gift shop that also sold religious items. Near the cash register, there was a display of baseball caps bearing the WWJD. You know, man was unfamiliar with the term, so he asked the clerk what it meant. She told him what the letters stood for and that they were meant to inspire people, to not make rash decisions, but instead to imagine and emulate what Jesus would do if they found themselves in a particular situation. The man thought about it for a moment. He said, well, I'm sure Jesus wouldn't pay $25 for this cap. <laughs> Of course, the expected message from the saying was that Jesus would respond with love and grace while being meek and mild in any situation. He would turn the other cheek, welcome all people, and accept all that came at him with grace. But in today's passage from John, we see a different Jesus, one who is not so meek and mild, but angry and forceful. As background, let's take a look at the time and place of today's readings. It happens at the temple in Jerusalem on the week leading up to Passover. Now the temple, as you know, was the principal place of worship for the Jewish people. It had replaced the tabernacle, which was used during the years of wandering in the wilderness. Everyone thought that David would build the temple. But because he had shed so much blood and had fought so many wars, God told him that he would not be the one to build it. So instead, his son Solomon, Solomon's temple. Solomon built the first temple in about 957 B.C. And this temple stood until about 587 B.C. when it was destroyed during the Babylonian siege of Jerusalem. Almost a century later, it was replaced by the second temple, 
which was built after the Persians conquered the Babylonians and the captives were released. And beginning around 20 BC, the temple was renovated and expanded by Herod the Great and became known as Herod's Temple. It's this temple that our reading refers to today. And in verse 20, we see that the construction is still in process as the people respond to Jesus that this temple has been under construction for 46 years. Talking about the renovation and expansion. Now the entire temple compound was considered holy, but it came increasingly more holy as one entered farther in. King Herod had enclosed the outer court and it was referred to as the court of the Gentiles because non-Jews were permitted to enter this area. They could walk within it, but they were forbidden to go any farther into the outer, than the outer court. It is here that we have the scene of today's readings. And the setting, as we mentioned, was the time leading up to the Jewish Passover. During this time, pilgrims came from outlying precincts to offer sacrifices and worship God. Sacrifices include certain unblemished, unblemished animals, but you think about it, it would have been hard to transport for long distances. So merchants set up booths to sell these animals to pilgrims, which seems reasonable enough. Additionally, the Jews were requir required to pay a temple tax, which was used for the upkeep and maintenance of the temple. Many of those who had traveled to Bethlehem had Roman coins that had Caesar's image on them. Those weren't acceptable to pay temple tax. They had to be converted to acceptable currency. So there were money changes there to facilitate this. Again, this seems reasonable and necessary. But then we see Jesus entering the courtyard. What he does after he sees what's going on doesn't fit in with what we would expect when we think of what would Jesus do. It says that he made out a whip out of cords and drove all of them from the temple area. Now many of us remember paintings of this scene in Sunday school when we were growing up. At least I do. The visions from those paintings would give you the impression that Jesus was using the whip on the people present as they showed the people running from Jesus with their hands up in the air like he's beating them. But the reading only suggests that it's the sheep and cattle that he used the whip on. He just scattered the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. What would have caused this reaction from Jesus? Where was the meek and mild Jesus? At least two possible reasons have been suggested by various writers. One has to do with the use of the temple grounds themselves. Remember it says in our reading that Passover is near. Hearts and minds are focused on the exodus event and expectations of deliverance. A faithful Jew comes to the temple to sacrifice. It is a sacred space. And by all of accounts, it was a magnificent place 
and it was the dwelling place of God on earth. But appearances can be deceiving. Entering the temple precincts, Jesus found little in the way of a sacred space. It looked and sounded like an open-air market. Cattle bellowing, sheep bleeding, doves cooing, people yelling, coins changing hands. Now granted, all this was necessary for the functioning of the temple, but it did have to be done inside the temple grounds itself. And on top of this, there was a good chance that the uh, merchants were taking advantage of the people by charging exorbitant fees for their services. They have taken something that should have been a service to the people and turned it into a racket, making huge profits at the expense of the pilgrims who traveled great distances to worship. The people and those in charge of the administration of the temple had lost sense of what it was there for. It had turned into a marketplace for the convenience of everyone a religion of convenience. Now there's no doubt about it, a religion of convenience is attractive to most people because it does not expect much of them. It's a religion that intends to help maintain everyone's comfort level. Its main purpose is to keep everything easy and fun. It's designed to entertain people when the purpose of a religion is to worship God. Our first reading today was from Exodus and the familiar passage of the Ten Commandments. Now Jesus later on had condensed these to two when he asked which was the greatest of them all. The trouble with a religion of convenience is that it loses sight of our true purpose. Namely, as Jesus summarized, to love and serve God and love our neighbors as ourselves. In other words, true worship involves living in a loving, respectful relationship with God and with one another. Now, all the animal selling and money changing was tolerated, even encouraged by the temple authorities. They should have known better. They made a career out of studying the laws of God yet they had somehow managed to look the other way. They probably didn't start out like that. What has begun with the intention of providing a service had in fact become a disservice. They had settled into comfortable behaviors that had enabled them to meet the goals of the temple while turning a blind eye to the possibilities of corruption. And Jesus sees this. Now, the temptation for us here is to take up our own whips of cords and overturn our favorite injustices we see in the world. But what if the text is pushing us to imagine Jesus entering our sanctuaries? What would he find? Would there be things that we are doing or not doing that he would overturn and drive us out in the name of God. In verse 19, Jesus continues with a blistering, you destroy this temple. 
During this time of Lent, it offers, offers an opportunity to reflect on our mission and purpose and ask whether we may be the ones destroying the temple. That should, if nothing else, give us a queasy feeling. The second school of thought regarding Jesus' anger was related to the treatment of the Gentiles. That's the non-Jews. The area in which the buying and selling took place was in the court of the Jew, Gentiles. This was the only area of the temple where they were allowed to gather. Everywhere else was only for the Jews. Yet their courtyard had become a marketplace. So much so that they didn't really have any place where they could worship or call their own. But Jesus' coming and mission was for all people. And the Gentiles were being excluded due to the carnival atmosphere that had sprung up in their courtyard. Jesus came to welcome all people into God's family. His later words in the passage point ahead into the future at the end of his life when he would make a new covenant, not based on animal sacrifice, not dependent upon a holy building, but through Christ's suffering, death, and resurrection for all mankind. This is God's way of inviting, welcoming, and accepting you, me, and all people into his family. If we follow Jesus' example today, we don't always have to be mild. We don't always have to fit in. We don't always have to do what our neighbors do. Maybe our journey is different from others. It can be scary if we discern God's calling us to go against the flow. But if God is leading us, we should do, ever what, do whatever we have to do to follow his will. So whether we have campuses or church buildings, musicians or praise teams, Sunday school or life groups, our goal should be to be more Christ-like. We should work to bring about God's kingdom of justice, peace, and joy here on earth. Above all, to love God with all of our heart and soul and mind and love others as ourselves. With that in mind, let us go forth during this season of Lent considering this mission and how we can best fulfill it. Amen. Would you...